We are in a series that we started last week, uh, and we started this year just like we started last year and the year before that, in a series that we are calling We Are Reckless. And so if you are new to Reckless, uh, this is what we call our service, but we want it to be way more than that. We don't want this just to be a, a name of a service that you guys show up to every Wednesday night or once a month or when you don't have sports or when you don't have too much homework or whatever. But rather, there are things that we believe that we want to be about, things that we want to accomplish, things that we want to be known for, and that's what we're trying to do as part of this series, is give definition to that, all right? So the only difference this year is that, as I mentioned last week, we're trying to put more ownership on you guys, not just me standing up here and go, hey guys, we're going to be about these few things, all right, sound cool, everybody with me, and you know, we put our fists in the air, but rather it be something that all of us feel personal responsibility for. That it not just be a, hey, this is what we're about on Wednesday night, but you, every single one of you, whether this is something that you come to every week or maybe this is just the the first time that you've ever come, I can't even talk, that you guys own up to this, that you guys grab a hold of this, that you guys say, yes, this is who I'm going to be about. This is the way that I'm going to live my life this year. And so last week we talked about purpose. This first word or first thing we want to be about is, is we want to know that we have purpose. And so we said, what is our purpose? That we as reckless are people that were created by God, were loved by God, and we were given a specific purpose by God. And that is true for all of us. Whether you are, again, whether you're here every week, whether you have a relationship with God or not, you are loved by God, you're created by God, and you have been given a specific purpose by God. You are on this planet for a reason. And so for all of us, our purpose together is to love God and to love people. That's the simplest way that we can say it, that we're called to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love people. So that's what we're created to do. And so we want to challenge you with that of what does that look like for you, all right? If that's our purpose, how do you live that out every single day in your life? How can you, by the way that you live, what does it look like for you to love God and love people this year? Who is God calling you to love? What does God want to do in your own heart, and your own life that causes you to love him more? What does that look like? So what specifically does your purpose look like within that general purpose of loving God and loving people? And so last week we said what we want you to do, and we want you to do that with every week as part of this series, is to use the hashtag we are reckless and just give us feedback on that. So tell us what that looks like for you. If God lays a purpose on your heart, tell us that. If there's something that you're challenged by over the course of this series, we want to know about that. We want to know what God is doing and what you're committing to do as part of Reckless this year. All right? So that's what, that's what we did last week. Now tonight, we're going to talk about that next thing because it's not just about purpose, even though that's a big deal and we've got to start there. There's something else that we want to be known for. Now, this particular thing that we want to be known for is something that we should be willing to give out in everything that in those moments where maybe we're betrayed or when someone wrongs us, this should be the response that we have in the midst of that. And with recent events like what happened in Charlottesville and with just the racial tension that seems to be building by the day in this country, I think that and other things have just revealed how much this world lacks what we're talking about tonight. And what the world and our community lacks 
you and I as followers of Jesus should have an abundance. This is something that we should possess and be willing to give out everywhere we go. So this thing that we're talking about tonight is just the word grace. Now here's what I want you guys to do as we get started tonight. I want you to take a minute and I want you to turn to the person next to you. And when you, if you're to give a definition of grace, what do you think grace means? All right, just take like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. How would you define grace? What does that look like? Go. Man, some riveting conversations going on right now. I'm sure all about grace, not about anything else. So I don't know what definition you gave for grace. All right, I don't know what you immediately think of when you think of grace. And if you were to define it, what you would define it as. Um, But it's more than just like what we say before we eat or, you know, what our aunt's name is or our best friend's name is or whatever other definition we may give. Here's the the simple definition that we're going to use when we're talking about grace tonight. Grace is simply getting what we don't deserve. All right, how many said that? Raise your hand. You are the smartest people in the room. Look at, look at all of these smart, wise people. All right, so something to that effect, right? Grace is getting or receiving something we don't deserve. All right, that's what grace means. So think about that in your own life for just a minute. Can you think of a time or situation where you have received something that you didn't deserve? Something good, right? You may deserved punishment or you deserve something bad, but you were given something good. Can you think of a time like that? And you don't have to, don't start talking about those things. But just think about those situations. Because maybe you made a mistake, you fell short, you deserve to pay for consequences or you deserve something, but you were giving, given something much different than what you deserved. Maybe you were speeding, which I'm sure none of you have ever done that are driving. You, you were speeding in your dream, and a cop pulled you over, and he gave you a warning rather than a ticket. All right? You've been given grace. That warning was grace to you because you were going 60 and a 25 or whatever. Hopefully not. Please don't ever do that. Definitely not on the streets of my neighborhood. Follow all the, the rules of the, uh, of the streets. So maybe it was that, all right? Maybe it was, maybe you heard a friend, all right? There was somebody that, you know, ladies, you were close with a friend. You said something from, from their life, which happens so often, it seems like. They showed forgiveness to you, all right? They extended grace to you. Or maybe it was one of those situations where, you deserved an F on a test, right? And the teacher showed you grace and gave you a D minus so that you could pass. All right, how many of you have been there? All right. I think all of us probably have been there. So you deserved an F. Maybe a teacher even was giving you a lot of grace and she gave you an A. I don't know. I don't know what got into her that day, but she was feeling really good and she wanted to show a lot of grace. So she gave you not the grade that you deserved, she gave you a better grade. So no matter what the situation is, has you, have you experienced grace before? Now, if you and I are reckless, if we own up to that name, that, is, that grace is something that we should have a lot of experience with. 
we should know all about grace. And especially when it comes to us receiving grace. We should know all about it because we have been given so much of it by Jesus. I mean, rather than, like I said, the definition is getting what we don't deserve. So we think about those situations and those moments where we deserved something bad from God and yet God gave us grace. Right? God offered forgiveness for us. But see, before we can really fully experience the getting part, the getting of grace, we've got to understand and come to grips with what we actually deserve. Because grace really doesn't mean all that much unless we understand how undeserving of it we are. Grace really fails to, to, it kind of loses its luster a little bit. It loses the power that it's supposed to have when we don't really understand that we need it in the first place. And so a way to figure that out, if you want to ask, man, do I, do I really, have I, have I received grace? Do I feel like I've experienced a lot of grace from God? Just answer this question. Do you feel like God owes you anything? Now, you don't have to answer out loud. Just think about that question. Do you think God owes you anything? Or maybe another way to to pose it is, do you feel like you deserve love and blessings from God? Is that something that you feel like you deserve? Do you feel like God owes you those kind of things? Because the truth is, our answer to that question will reveal how much we understand grace and how much even more so we understand how undeserving of it we are. Because there are really so many encounters, so many moments. I mean, I think about my own life. I think about other people that I know, friends, people that I'm in community with. I think about even stories that I read in the Bible of encounters that people have with Jesus. And there's something that... I don't know if it's a principle or whatever that I've, that I've just come to understand, but it seems to me that the people who receive the most from Jesus are the ones who feel like they deserve the least. Now, it's, it's kind of one of those like kingdom of God kind of backwards things that are, is way different than the way that our world operates. Because think about it. For you guys over here, the, the way the world operates is If you give effort and you put work in and you do something, you are going to deserve what's equal to that amount that you put into it, right? Whether it be in the classroom, whether it be on the sports field, whether it be in life, at your workplace, whatever. If you show up to your job and you don't give a crap and you're lazy and you don't work hard, then chances are you're going to deserve that, which means you're going to be out of a job. Right? Or if you show up to class and you sleep halfway through the class every day and you don't give a rip what the teacher's saying and then it te- comes test time, your, your grade is going to be reflective of what you deserve. Right? And that's true of so much of our society. If you do a certain thing, you will receive what you deserve. Right? Now, there is a, you know, kind of the, you reap what you sow and that kind of thing, and that's a, a biblical principle. Um, and I'm not trying to totally dismiss that. But when it comes to grace, grace is different. When it comes to the way that God looks at us, it's not about performance. 
It's not about what we've earned. It's not about what we deserve. It's about something else. Jesus had a lot of encounters in the Bible with people, all right? And the people that followed Jesus were not your average people, right? They weren't these holy people. The 12 disciples that followed Jesus, they were not like the Pharisees. They weren't the religious people, the elite of the day. They were sinners. They were outcasts. They were people that the Pharisees and the religious leaders wanted nothing to do with. And Jesus is the one that's like, hey, come on, follow me, you dirty, rotten sinner. Come, come follow me and you'll learn from me and things like that. Like Jesus was inviting those kind of people Not the religious people, but the outcasts, the sinners. Those were the ones that Jesus invited in. And the worst one of them all was a guy named Matthew. Now, what made Matthew such a punk was that he was a a tax collector. All right, and that means nothing to us now, all right, unless we know about the IRS and we don't like them either. But it's kind of the same deal, but... So here, here's kind of like to just paint the picture of what a tax collector was like, all right? So Israel in that day was controlled by Rome, all right? The Roman government, king, Roman kingdom was at kind of its highest, whatever. And so it controlled Israel. And the Jews did not like that at all. They did not like to be controlled by Caesar and by the Roman em, em, Empire and things like that. And so what made it worse was the fact that these tax collectors represented the Roman government. And they were taking money from the Jewish people to pay Rome. So that's not something that the Jews liked all that much, right? To make matters worse, a lot of times the tax collectors were stealing people from people. Not stealing people. They were stealing from people. They were stealing from people. So you may have owed 10 bucks, but they're going to tell you you owe 20. And they're going to take 20 from you and pay the Roman government 10 and keep 10 themselves. So they were manipulative they stole more than they should have. They, lie, they were liars and cheaters. And so another reason why the Jewish people didn't like tax collectors. But then Matthew was the worst of the worst. Because Matthew was a, was a Jew himself. So he is betraying his own people, stealing from them to give to a government that was oppressing his people. So needless to say, that Jews didn't like guys like Matthew very much, all right? So in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is, kind of tells this parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And so you guys can read that later this week if you want to. It's a, it's a really, great, um, really great parable that he tells. But rather than us read it, I want, I want us to watch it. So a couple years ago, um, they did this mini-series on TV about Jesus and the Bible and things like that. And so they did a really great job of telling this, putting this guy, Matthew, the tax collector, into this parable and telling this story. So I want you guys to take a look at this video. All right. Now let's, let's talk about that for just a minute, all right? Other than Jesus looking like an international model. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he probably didn't look like that, but he's very good looking. Um, let's, let's just talk about that a little bit because that's, that's an amazing thing. That the Pharisee was not willing to show Matthew grace. While he was casting judgment on Matthew, Jesus was showing grace to him. And the crazy thing is, it's not that the Pharisee's accusations were untrue. Right? I mean, Matthew didn't stand up and go, no, you're a liar, that's not true, don't listen to him. Like, 
He's got tears streaming down his face because he knows that's who he is. All those things that about him, he, know, he owns it. He knows that it's true. The difference is the Pharisee was unwilling to show him grace. But Jesus wasn't. And Jesus, the people that he called, he wasn't calling those people that thought that they were worthy, but those that they knew they never could be. And it was Matthew that fit to a T the profile that Jesus was looking for. Not those arrogant, self-righteous people that walked around feeling like they didn't need anything from God, that they deserved God's love, and because of all their righteous acts, that they didn't really you know, need any mercy or forgiveness from God. That they walked around kind of looking down their nose at other people. But it was Matthew that understood how much he needed God's grace. And because of that, he was able to receive what Jesus was offering. Now, here's the hard truth that all of us have to come to grips with. You and I are Matthew. You and I are all Matthew in that story. We make mistakes. We fall short. We are scum. We lie. We cheat. We steal. We're selfish. We're arrogant. I mean, name it. Whatever you want to come up with, you and I are all guilty of those things. You and I have all sinned and we all deserve God's wrath. And there's nothing that we can do to fight back against those accusations. We can't ignore them. We can't go, no, that's not true. Don't listen to those accusations. We've got to own up to those things and say, that's who I am. Those are things that are a part of my life. And because of that, they separate me from God. See, grace means nothing unless we first understand that we don't deserve it. We'll never fully run to Jesus with tears streaming down our face, begging and pleading and reaching out for that mercy and that forgiveness and that grace that Jesus is offering us if we never think that we need it. If we always say, well, I'm not really as bad as so-and-so. Yeah, I mean, I've got my issues, I've got my struggles, but I'm not as bad as he or she. We've got to own up to our stuff and realize that we are so in need of God's grace and we don't deserve anything good from God. And what was Jesus' reaction when Matthew showed that remorse and showed that kind of that confession and realized his need for God. What did he do? He doesn't condemn, he forgives. He doesn't cast judgment, he offers a way out. He met there exactly where he was and he offered him a better life. And he does the exact same thing for you and for me. Our past mistakes are great. Our struggles currently that we've walked into the room carrying are a big deal. But God's grace is greater. God's God's grace and his forgiveness is able to overcome any obstacle, no matter how unworthy we may understand that we are. And here's how he proved it. He proved it by giving up his life for us. He proved it by when we were at our worst. He gave us his best. He gave us himself. Listen to what 
2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, it says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, Paul's not talking about monetary possessions, all right? Not actual, you know, being rich or poor. But from a spiritual standpoint, Jesus, who was rich, came down and he became man. And even in that, he was 100% God and 100% man. But he humbled himself and became obedient to death on the cross. And he took on our sin and our shame and our punishment. He became poor for us so that you and I could be made rich. So that you and I could have life. So that you and I could have freedom. So that your sins and my sins could no longer be counted against us. Some of us may feel like we're in this constant like working where we're trying to earn something from God. Maybe that's why you showed up here tonight. If you're good enough, if you show up at church, if you do good things, then God will love you. God will accept you. And you're maybe afraid of messing up or falling short. And if you don't come, then maybe that means that God doesn't love you. And it's kind of like we go through lives, our lives constantly crossing our fingers. Man, I hope God loves me. I hope God cares about me. I hope God forgives me. But it's all tied to what we're doing for God. And I just want to set your mind at ease tonight, if that's you. If you feel like you're in this constant trying to earn something from God. You're not being evaluated every single day by God to determine if you're loved. God's already determined that you are. Like we said last week, your purpose is you were created by God, you were loved by God. And Jesus has given up his life to prove it. And it's not because of anything you've done or anything I've done. See, grace is simply tied to who God is, not based on what, we're, what we do. It's based all on who he is, not what we've done for him. So we don't have to feel like we're constantly, God's fallen in and out of love with us. That's not the way that God operates. God sees us and our struggle and he knows all about our sin and all about the things that we go through. And yet he loves us anyway. And you and I being reckless, and more importantly than that, you and I being sons and daughters of God, is made possible because we come to a moment in our life where we admit our sin before God. And we own up to the fact that we do not deserve God's grace. But we just reach out and ask God for it. And if you've never come to a moment in your life, a place in your life, where you've admitted your sin, and you've trusted fully what Jesus has done for you on the cross. God, I could not earn my sin, but you paid the penalty for that. And so God, I'm asking you to forgive me. I need your grace. And if you've never come to a place in your life where you've done that, then tonight can be the night that you do that. Tonight can be the night where you begin to understand grace that Jesus wants to give to you for the first time. But it never becomes yours until you reach out and receive it. But once we do that, a crazy thing happens. When we start to experience and understand God's grace, when we receive it for the first time, 
when we start to understand that when we're at our worst, God gives us his best, we start looking at the world around us much, much differently. That same grace that we've received ourselves, we, we start becoming more willing to give that out to other people. We aren't quite so quick to judge other people when they make mistakes. Other people's sins don't insult us quite as much as they used to. Because we understand that apart from God's grace, we're in the same boat that they are. Our sin's not, their sin's not greater than ours or a bigger deal than ours. We're all in the same boat. And if it wasn't for God's grace stepping in and forgiving us, then we'd be in the same place that they are. And all of a sudden, God begins to open our eyes to the world around us. See, there are things that are ripping apart the community around us every single day. Poverty, hunger, abortion, divorce, suicide, drugs, injustice, things like racism. Things that are every single day ripping apart our community. But what happens when we start receiving the grace that Jesus offers us? Rather than looking at those things and the people involved in those things with anger and with malicious intent, we start seeing them as people that need God's grace too. We start seeing those issues and the hurt and the pain and the situations and all of the the tragedies in our community. And rather than being angry at the people that commit them, God starts giving us a burden to help them. Even though we may hate the things that they're doing and what they're doing to our community, we start seeing the people behind them as people that need God's forgiveness and God's grace just as much as we do. You guys, there are 14,000 high school students within a 10-mile radius of this church that don't know Jesus. And when you and I start receiving the grace and we understand what God is doing in our heart, we stop getting so frustrated and angry and mad at those people who aren't following Jesus like we are or who are you know, messing up our schools or doing all those things. But rather, God changes our heart and gives us a burden to help them understand and discover God's forgiveness, just like we have. Those are the people that we pray show up here on a Wednesday night. We're not insulted that they come and frustrated that they've shown up here because we know who they are at school. But rather, we're thankful that they've shown up. In fact, we're the ones that are trying to invite them because we know how desperately we want them, we want God to change their life. We want them to experience God's grace, just like we have. I love 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Here's what he says. He says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. 
But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I'm beginning to understand grace to the extent that I start putting my hand in the air and saying, God, I'm the worst of them all. Their sin may look different than mine, but God, I'm the worst of them all. I don't deserve anything good from you. And when I've been at my worst, God, you've been at your best. God, when I'm deserving of those accusations that the enemy throws out at me, God, you stand in the way and you say that is no longer who you are because you've been forgiven. And so if, if all of us, if our hand doesn't go in the air and we feel like I'm the worst of them all, then we need God to open our eyes to understand how much we need grace for ourselves. And until we do that, we're never going to be willing to extend that same grace to other people. So what that means for us is, is that we are reckless. We're people who show others the same grace that they've been shown. So as we close out tonight, as the band comes up and finishes with a song, I want, I want, to, give, we want to give you guys a chance to respond. How can you tonight take hold of the grace that Jesus is offering you? Like I said just a minute ago, if you've never come to a place in your life where you've asked and received the forgiveness that Jesus is offering you, the grace that he wants to give to you, and put your trust in him as your savior. And over these next few minutes, I'm going to invite you as the band is playing, you can just come up here. You can kind of kneel down on the steps. You can come find a, a leader if you want to do that. But rather than us coming and rushing the stage during these next few minutes, it's going to be a, a chance for us to respond. And so if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, it's as simple as this. You just talk to God and say, God, I am a sinner and I fall so far short and I don't deserve anything good from you. And I want to receive the forgiveness that you're, that you're offering me tonight. And I put my faith and trust in you as Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says that Jesus comes and he forgives you and he washes those sins away and you are no longer that person anymore. But now you come and you become a, a son or a daughter of God. The other way that you may want to respond during this time, who is it that God's calling you to show grace to? This is where for some of us this might be a little bit more difficult. Because maybe we're not, all, we're not very well known for the amount of grace that we show people. When they wrong us, when they hurt us, when they deserve to be lashed, lashed out at, that's what they get from us. But if we've been recipients of God's grace, we've got to be givers of God's grace too. 
And maybe over the next few minutes, God is laying somebody on your heart. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a former friend. Maybe it's somebody in your school. Maybe it's somebody that you've written off. And what they need from you is not the cold shoulder and to be cut off. What they need from you is grace. What they need is to be forgiven. So over these next few minutes, I want us just to respond. Maybe you're coming forward and you just want to confess that you have not shown grace to people and God has convicted you of that. And you want to come and you just want to talk to God about that. Maybe you want to ask God for wisdom about who it is that God is calling you to show grace to. Maybe God's already putting it on your heart and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And you just want to come forward and ask God to give you the strength and the ability to do that. But if we're going to be reckless, then grace is going to have to be something that we're recipients of and we're givers of. And until we do that, then reckless is just a name that we call ourselves or something we put on the screen. But it's got to be more than that in order for us to see lives change in our community. So let's pray together and the band's going to lead us in this time of response. God, we love you. God, that you give us clarity. God, that you cut through the noise, you cut through the distractions and you penetrate the heart and you help us understand how much we need you. Jesus, I pray in these next few minutes, God, that there would not be any distraction. God, we would not think about anything else that's going on. But God, we would just be real enough with you in these next few moments to own up to our sin. And God, if we have never put our faith and trust in you as Savior, God, I pray that tonight would be the night. God, I pray that you would help us to make that decision. That you would give students the strength to come forward and to kneel at these steps or kneel in front of the stage and just admit their sin to you and their need for you. For you. God, thank you that you offer us grace when everyone else is shouting accusations and accusations that are true, you offer forgiveness. God, I pray for those of us that claim that we are reckless and yet we backstab and we hold grudges and we, we choose to hold unforgiveness and anger and bitterness in our heart towards other people, even though they've done things that are, that are inexcusable. But God, you give us the power to give the same grace out to other people that we've received from you. And so God, help us to lead with forgiveness. Help us to be people that go against the culture. And rather than holding grudges or cutting people off, God, we offer mercy and forgiveness. And help us to show the same grace that we've received. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.